Hi, I'm Bert. What's up? I'm Steve. Welcome to How to Kill a Church. A podcast of indefinite length following two church planters' journey through discovery, heartbreak, and innovation for the future of the church. We're doing this podcast not because we have all the answers. In fact, as you'll hear, we have very few of them but because we are compelled by the potential for this moment and what it could mean for those following the way of Jesus. We actually think that COVID may be one of the best disruptions for the American church in decades. Through this global pandemic we're all living through and on the shoulders of the last 20 years of information, internet, change, upheaval, we believe there is a unique opportunity to reimagine the church to meet this cultural moment with the gospel. So follow us on this journey of discovery, lessons learned, mistakes made, and maybe, just maybe, an ancient and innovative way forward for the church of the future. You know, honestly, I was thinking... What, what compels us, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's a constraint that we feel or yeah. a propeller. And um, I said even in our trailer that we think that COVID is one of the greatest disruptions in decades yeah. for the church. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's the that's the compelling moment. It's kind of a catalyst for us. Um, and, and and not just COVID, but also the you know the age that we live in. Mm. We think about. Uh, yes, there's a global pandemic today, but that stands on the shoulders of years of information technology yeah. that has just taken off. I, I was a part of a conversation last week that I can't say too much about, but uh, even it's, even you know all, all kinds <laughs> all kinds of things are being automated sure, these days, sure. and and so you know that information age, the internet, and how that's changed things, and then even all the social unrest and the upheaval. Um, I think that it, it provides a unique opportunity for us as the church to meet this moment, this cultural moment, you know, yeah. with the gospel and with movement and, and to see the kingdom kind of bring us to these places. I feel like we're on a precipice or something. Yeah. So, And that's what this podcast is about. That's why we did it. That's why we're doing it. That's why we're sitting across this table from each other in Midtown Ventura, two pastors uh, talking about the journey our churches have been on and are going on. All right, so we, we do represent two churches here in town. We love our, our little beach city of Ventura. And um, I, I think one of the things that's been interesting and some of the catalyst for this podcast right here is unbeknownst to each other, throughout COVID, we've kind of been circling some of the same wagons. Yeah. We, we, we've, without even knowing it, and this is back in maybe spring, back in summertime, we both started reading some books. We started listening to some other people. We started dreaming. We started going like, what if you know, COVID wasn't just going to last a couple of weeks like we all thought back then, but it was actually going to be quite a bit longer. And then what, what opportunity could there be in this moment? Yeah. I feel like God set us up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what if we didn't just go back to the way things were? Mm. And, I, and at that time we kind of thought we were alone in some of that thinking I'm bouncing it off Sherry. She's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm talking to Jamie. <laughs> hey, honestly, Jamie's talking to me more and I'm thinking that she's crazy, but you know, yeah, hundred percent. And we, and we start going like, what, what if there could be something here? Like, what if we didn't have to go back to the thing we've been doing? Not that the thing we've been doing is bad, but what if the models that we've been sitting in aren't quite as resilient as we thought they were? And, and maybe because the church has been around for quite some time, maybe the models, maybe the methods do need to change up a little bit. Yeah. All right. So uh, we just wanted to start at the beginning of this very first episode talking about future church. And that sounds really ambitious and, and presumptuous, but it's really, you're going to hear from us kind of an informal just download of some of the things Steve and I have been learning, some of our conversations and where we actually think the church of Jesus is going in the future. And because we're, we're only talking about that because we want to be part of it. Right? right. So we're just, we're sitting there thinking we're on the precipice of something, but we want to, we want to be there. We don't want to be on the sidelines kind of looking at something and, uh, maybe regretting that we weren't there right. or wishing that we somewhere. We yep. want to be on the front lines of what Jesus is doing. That's good. 
And so I just wanted to start this very first inaugural podcast off with just a few things that hooked us early on before we were even talking about this with each other. Um, and, and for me, this goes back a couple years, actually. I was reading through a book um, by one of my favorite authors. You'll probably hear about it. It's, you know, it could be a drinking game. I'm going to talk about him every single episode on here. But <laughs> Mark Sayers, pastor and author down in Melbourne, Australia. And, uh, and I was reading his book, Reappearing Church, which was kind of a part B to his his book, Disappearing Church. And, and Reappearing Church is all about revival and renewal and, um, and really is like this new awakening for the church. Like, could this be an opportunity for the church of Jesus to pivot in a substantial way, maybe not, not seen since the Reformation? Kind of these, one of these whole huge movement kind of changes. And there is this blurb that I want to I actually read. I pulled from the book. Uh, I want to read it for you. It's a little long, but it's worth it because this was, I want to like emphasize this was written in, ah, shoot, I don't have the book in front of me, but like 2017 or 18, like a couple of years before COVID. And, uh, and just notice some of the, some of the language that starts to bubble up here that might make sense in the moment that we're in here. All right, buckle up. This is a longer quote, but it'll be worth it. It'll be, I tell my church all the time, I'm going to share with you this three page quote, but it'll be worth it. (laughs) Give it to us. All right, here we go. So he's talking about the secularist life script. Mm -hmm. All right. So he says the secularist life script in which humans attempt to live without having to confront the great questions of life creates insulation against faith. However, this insulation is not as secure as it may seem. For example, during the global financial crisis of 2008, the global banking system came terrifyingly close to a catastrophic worldwide Great Depression. Oh, my. Which would have fundamentally changed the kind of lives that we now live. It did change mine, but we can talk about that later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) He goes on to say, if a major war broke out between the great powers such as Russia, China, India, U.S., and NATO forces a great threat that many experts agree is increasing, uh, our world and our lives would be radically altered. And this is the part that's going to hit you. If we endured a global flu pandemic like the one in the early part of the 20th century that killed millions of people across the world, how we view and process our personal potentials and possibilities would be deeply shaken. If, years before COVID hits, he he is writing about this. He says, if North Korea launched a devastating cyber attack that disabled most or large parts of the world's internet for months or years, think about how different your life would be in light of all those things, all those potentials, all those what ifs that have come scarily close to coming true or have come true. Consider how you would have to readjust your life and how you access community and relationships. In Australia, he says, where he's a pastor, after the attacks on 9-11, church attendance went up for a short period. And this was, a, this was in a country across the other side of the world from the attacks. Why? Because the Western secularist bubble of radical individualism and hyper-consumerism was pierced. Briefly, the methodology that is possible to live a life without God, or as he said in other places, live out the kingdom of God without the king of God, or greater meaning for many people was rattled. Your lifestyle, your freedom, your approach to faith and meaning are shaped by large-scale factors, factors out of your control, which we assume to be stable and secure, but which in reality can change suddenly. The secularist life script is dependent on crucial political, economic, and social factors being in place, elements that are becoming fragile, opening a new potential for renewal, and revival in the West. All right, so that's good. That was a long quote. No, it's a lot though. It's good. And and it was kind of doom and gloom for a little bit there mm. up until the very end. Yeah. And what he's what he's getting at there, and what really hit me at the time of reading, and then at the beginning of COVID, is how fragile our systems and structures are. Yeah. And how the church is so not equipped. Yep. To thrive in those moments. Mm. Not at all. Yeah. But. Sayer says at the very beginning, like in all of that instability with the ground moving under our feet and the fragile systems and structures around us, there is a new potential for revival and renewal in that's the good. West. And that's, that's what good. I cling on to. And yeah. I, th- I think as I look back on COVID and really why I even bring it up on this podcast right here is as I was reading through that and considering what that meant and as COVID hits, you know, the entire world in a huge way, I think there are two ways of looking at it. COVID mm. really I, in the global pandemic and kind of this last year as a whole. Mm. And one is to some combination of 
just holding your breath, holding out hope, just like waiting for things to get back to normal. Yeah. And I'm talking like inside and outside the church, like in society as a whole, but also everything. And there's those who see this as like a potential for something new or different. It's good, man. And, And I think the thing that stirred me and that really propelled our church on a learning journey that we'll get to in an episode or two, um, was this idea that like we could be in that first camp or we have the privilege and opportunity of being in that second camp. Yeah, that's and good. that's what I want. That's good, man. I want to be on the front end of that potential yeah. for renewal and revival here in our church, in our city, but yeah. also in like the larger Western culture. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, um, we, we've said already that the changes and the things that we see as the needs for moving forward, it's not a pivot, it's a catalyst, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not just like, oh, well, what do we do now? It's more so, oh man, what do we have the new opportunity to do? Um, and so I, th- I think about even back to last summer, just like you're reading, I was yeah. reading, and anybody who knows me knows that I love the trellis and the vine, right? It's written by these two guys outside of our context. They're not in the American church, and they've been looking in and saying, hey, there's a, there, there, there's, we've lost our way. We've been focused on programs and vo- focused on events and focused on all these things that build structures yeah. as opposed to the living organism that is the church. So the vine work is what they try to uh, press into and lead everybody toward a paradigm kind of shift uh, for and 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 I sent this to our people last summer as we were moving to say hey we're gonna reappear and things are gonna we're gonna reopen we're gonna regather we're talking all that re language yeah but I'm saying like hey we're not doing it in the way that it's all like like that we have been used to sure God's got something new sure sure um, and so anyway I, I read to them also another quote and I and I'll just say this I think it's a gift to us that we should not miss. Hmm that God has given us prophetic writings and prophetic writers that actually speak into this moment. And and, and so we don't have to go running and figuring out like, what do we do and how do we get there? Like he's already gifted the church with, with people who have been able to have this kind of foresight, not even knowing or anticipating that we're going to have a a, a pandemic, like what we've just walked through, but knowing that it's possible. And so then, then what? Right. So anyway, they wrote this book, uh, Colin Marshall and and Tony Payne. It's called The Trellis and the Vine. And that was written in 2009. All right. Bring it. So we talk in 12 years ago, right? 12 years ago. It ends this way. These are the last pages of the book. Now I'm not going to read as long as you did. That was like a lot. (laughs) But I I got a nice little paragraph for us. All right. Bring it. Brace yourself. Come on. I sent this to our entire church last summer. And I don't know how many people it hit, but it struck me. It says this. Imagine that pandemic swept through your part of the world and that all public assemblies of more than three people were banned by the government for reasons of public health and safety. Imagine. 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 If, 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 right? (laughs) Yes. In 2009, they said, imagine that this swept through your part of the world and because of uh, public health and safety, you could not gather with more than three people. Hmm. Right, so they go on to say, fight, fight for your rights oh, to, no. together, right? <laughs> no, 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 not this book. That's, that's the other one. <laughs> so look, look, it said, and let's say that due to some catastrophic combination of local circumstances, this ban had to remain in place for 18 months. When are we recording this right now? Come on. <laughs> recording Come this on. mid-February. So we're at what month? 2021. We're month, arguably 12, but at least 11. Yeah, somewhere right? between 10 and 12, uh-huh, sure, depending exactly. on how you count this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, so... And no, no end in the immediate sight, right? Crazy, right? Look, the ban had to remain in place for 18 months. They said there will be no services to run, no group activities or events of any kind to organize, administer, to drum up support for, or even to attend. Just personal teaching and discipling and training your people in turn to be disciple makers. Come on. Here's the interesting question. After 18 months... When the ban was lifted and you were able to recommence your Sunday gatherings and all the rest of the, your meetings of church life, what would you do differently? Oh, I have like 10 other questions. Come on. <laughs> After 18 months, yo, then what? Yo. I yeah. Said, what would you do differently? Oh, my goodness. That, that pierced me. Come on. Because the thing is, is that I have walked. Uh, so these guys came out to UCLA yeah. back in, I think it was 2012, 2013. They were promoting kind of the uh, uh, um, a small group experience of their book. Sure. They were bringing church leaders together. And I invited elder groups from two churches that mm-hmm. were independent that were explore, exploring whether or not they should merge together. Interesting. And I said, hey, let's go to this together. Right. So we all went and we sat there. 
And we got some personal kind of intensive eight hours on one day and then four hours on the next day. And we walked through this. And the thing, the thing that struck me the most is like, man, these dudes are speaking to us. Hmm. But they're they're not they're not of us, right? They're, they're not among us. Sure. And so they're able to see the things that are that we're blind to. And so from that time, I'll just say just as, as a quick like uh promotion even of, of the philosophy and, and kind of the strategies and things yeah. I found in that book towards disciple making. I've been in two, three different churches since then, hmm. and I've always brought that to leaders and said, hey, yeah. this is something that I think is a pivotal uh, new paradigm shifting principle that we need to get right if yeah. we're going to do anything else. Yeah. And so going back to it for myself, because now I'm leading a new church, right, sure. and replanting and all that stuff, and sure. I'm like, hey, let me go back to the basics. Hmm. I go back to it, and I find that. That was scary, bro. <laughs> I never read this part, right? <laughs> Nobody reads the last page in a book. I, I promise you I drank deeply from it last yeah. year and came to that. And I just said, this, this means something. All right. So this is some of, uh, a glimpse into genuinely what we feel like the Lord's been speaking to us, like unbeknownst of this conversation that's happening um, still with the future, a little bit fuzzy and pixelated. Right. But this is some of the things that have been stirring in us, just a sense of like, what, what if all of the the regular church rhythms and structure were disrupted? Then what? I feel like we get to have the conversation publicly now because it's true. We're saying what if and everybody's sitting in their cars on their way to their jobs yeah. or not, right? Yeah. Sitting in their home offices, telecommuting. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like, yo, life is totally different. They've been yeah. on Zoom church, yeah. Facebook church and everything else and trying to figure out is this even, you know, fellowship totally. church gathering? What, what does it look like? And uh, so now we're in the conversation, I think, as a whole. Yeah. And that's good. So I, I think, you know, from that quote I read from Sayers, just the potential for renewal and revival. And then kind of with the last line of the quote you just read of what would you do differently? I think those two things coming together over the summer, you know, loose time frame over like the summer fall ish really birthed some new things in our churches, uh, birth some new thinking. And, and I think what, what felt profound for, for us and our community was that thinking went beyond just me and I, I, our church is used to the crazy ideas Bert comes up with and tries to do this or do that or whatever, you know. And um, but I, but I think for the first time for real, I mean, this was like common thinking among our leadership. And as we started sprinkling it out to some of our movers and shakers and sprinkling it out to some of the people who are in our church, it was it was resonating with them. And and then I think there was something about this moment that finally broke the mold we all had. And, and maybe, you know, I had this. Uh, at this moment, there was this moment here, at least in Southern California, back in May, June-ish, when things were starting to let up a little bit. So, you know, real famously, we have some hot spots around us that were really pushing to reopen church, quote unquote, on a certain date. But it was that was all kind of coinciding with like more restaurants were kind of opening up. And it's like, oh, maybe summertime, maybe like this will this will be kind of like our, our out out of COVID. And, you know, and I remember having this conversation with Sherry and I remember this conversation because we were out to eat at a restaurant inside. OK, <laughs> so, got it. you know, we still had to wear masks walking yeah, yeah, around, yeah. but we were inside and there's mm. this blip in June. We're like, maybe maybe we're out of this. And we're sitting across and we're out actually for my, my birthday um, and we're sitting across and we're talking and, and I just kind of looked at her at one point in the conversation and I said, I, I'm not a masochist, but I kind of hope COVID's not over because I don't feel like we've learned our lesson yet. It, it's because, you know, when we went into kind of lockdown, quarantine was mid-March, right? Our, our last Sunday meeting in our building was March 8th. And I think March 15th, we did a big backyard thing. And then by when March 22nd, we were online only, right? It's a two week progression. It was real quick. And then in middle end of June, I'm saying like, I don't, I don't think we've gotten what we need to get out of COVID yet from a spiritual standpoint, yeah. right? Not that I'm indifferent to the very real economic and health tragedies that are happening, but just like there's something here that it was a short enough, short enough amount of time where we could all just hold our breath. And then like when June rolled on, go, okay, well, at least we can get back to life as normal. Now, obviously that did not happen. Right, and I'm right. not, I don't know if I'm grateful for that or yeah, not, but I yeah. think there's, I think if there was a danger in missing the moment, I think for those who have ears to hear, 
the moment wasn't missed because I guess I think we had to then stay in that over the summertime and over fall and now through the winter and now spring. And even though the vaccines are here, it's like taking a long time and it's going to be fall is what, you know, they're telling us is when maybe things will get back to normal. So this will be a year and a half, almost two years, all said and done. 18 months, huh? 18 My months, goodness. if you will. You, you can't say you didn't get the cheat sheet. Oh, the answer man. key was always <laughs> in the mix. Hey, and you know what's, what's, what's we, even deeper we than that? We had that scan trouble Yo, what's, what's deeper than that is all they were doing is pointing us to the answer key. Yeah. They're, they're pointing us to biblical first yeah. century New Testament principles yeah. that were built in built upon, right, Old Testament ethics for the people of God. Sure, right? sure. Like they're, they're pointing us back to the stuff that we just yeah. we read it in, in, in Bible college yeah. and then we just put it back on the shelf and said, well, I'm going to go figure out these church growth <laughs> strategies, though. <laughs> you know, how, I don't how do know I get that. people to my hey, event? Yeah. How do I get sustainable in oh, three years geez. with enough butts and yep, seats? And, yep, yep. and all. Yeah, exactly. So we're being honest. And the truth is, I think what it led us to is the point that we get to say now, well, how do we kill that? How do we put that to death? And I think it's helping us to come to a spot where we can see like the, a lot of the old ways do need to die, right? You don't put yeah. old wine in or new wine in old yep. wine skins. Yep. Uh, they will surely burst. That's just a, that's a, that's a general principle. Way to bring us to our title. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Let's I was starting to get a rambly. You brought us back to our title. <laughs> Let's get it. And we and really that was that's crazy that you said that because that's a text I preached when we were talking about some of these new changes is out of Luke, new wine and okay. new wine skins. Okay. And uh, and that's really kind of what birthed the name of this podcast was how how to kill a church is right. because there's something in us in our churches more importantly in church culture yep. that's got to die off if we're going to receive the new. Yep. Right, there are old wineskins that have to go that's if right. we're going to get the new wine. That's right. Now, if you don't want the new wine, that's all right. Mm. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a wine guy. I know other people are whiskey guys. <laughs> I love, love wine. It's been yeah. something Sherry and I have been about. Our her parents got us hooked on it, and and I and I love learning about the ground and the horticulture and talking. I mean, I love it all. all right. Now, here's the deal with old wine and new wine. Old wine is good. Mm-hmm. Like if it's taken care of properly, if it's stored right, yeah, that's the good stuff. Those that's are right. the expensive bottles. The new wine, it's not that it's not good, it's untested. Mm. And it's unknown, it's risky. <laughs> so like old wine, you know, we had a, our Valentine's dinner, you know, at home, sitting watching a, a rom-com. I cooked yeah, up a steak. A and Netflix and shit. Yeah, and I got a nice <laughs> bottle of wine, and, and it was a 2016 uh, from Napa. Is this Dog, cab, you got and some 2060? I know we're talking, <laughs> we talking future church, but where you get some 2060 from? I got that 2016 cat and it was as good and it's 2021. So it's right in the drinkable zone right sure. now. It's like fantastic. And it was amazing. And it was mm. fantastic. And, and the night before we opened up this bottle of, I don't know what is 2019 or something like that. And it was, it was good, but it was mm. not quite there yet. Got it. And I, I think there's something to this is I think it's not a total like old is bad, but mm-hmm. old is known. Sure. And old is familiar mm. and old is comfortable and old is reliable. Mm. And I, I think new is, risky it's it's a little bit unknown you take a risk on it you know sherry said sherry said man it's kind of risky <laughs> right but i mean i'm signed up for it yeah yep, yeah we're good. in it and so i think as we talk about why we even name this podcast how to kill a church um i i think it was kind of this double entendre of it it's both a it's killing off old ways killing off old wineskins old wineskins that we know are not going to be able to hold the new wine yeah Right, not that everything is old is bad, but the stuff that we know is not going to be able to hold the new wine that Jesus has for us. Yeah. But it also has this other double meaning to it that we're going to get into in a big way in the next few episodes. But uh, this is like a practically anti-church growth strategy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's like a we thousand and one church growth podcast out there. We're yeah, the only anti-church growth let's, podcast. Let's, let's just coin a term now. This is the church shrink, uh, church shrink strategy church of shrink. the future. <laughs> exactly. Church drink strategies. But it, I, I think it's worth maybe dipping into like, even I would joke about that, but it's dipping into like why that that's actually a reality. Because yeah. I, th- I think if you are in a Western context, you have been shaped by these church growth strategies that cropped up in the early 70s or so. Yeah. And it have really marked the last 50 years yeah. of, of the church. And in that in that same book, I mean, the trellis in the vine, I think so many of us have been 
been duped into believing the trellis is where it's at. Well, yeah, for sure. Because you got you got like an event, you got a big program, you have uh, maybe even a building, right? Yeah. You have all these things that prop themselves up to seem as though, oh, fruitful ministry sure. is happening there. Yeah. The church is a success. Sure. And we're church planters. Yeah. We're part of collectives uh-huh. and networks uh-huh. that are all about that. And so there's all these metrics. There's yeah. all all these measurements, yeah. plumb lines even to say sure. whether or not your church is going to die. Yeah. Whether or not your church is going to thrive, whether yeah. or not it's going to be self-sustaining yeah. and what you need to do to get there. And the truth is, is that while a lot of those things I think are well-meaning and some of them may even be amoral, yeah. right? Like I yeah. always talk about amoral things, yeah, right? Yeah. Like a brick. A brick uh-huh. is something that you can build a wall with sure. or you can toss it through a window. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not immoral in and of itself. Uh-huh. It's also not a moral thing. It's just, sure. And so I think some of those strategies have been that, yeah. but we've allowed ourselves to depend on them. Yeah. And that is what led us to the point where we almost didn't even know what to do. Yeah. I mean, while I celebrate that every church went online and Facebook and YouTube totally. and Vimeo yeah. just like blew up, even the uh, church online platform just blew up, right? It, it I, broke YouTube for a week or two. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited about that, but yeah. I'm also embarrassed about that. Yeah. You know what was already happening? Hmm. Two, it was 2020. Yeah. When I graduated high school, I knew that we were going to have Teslas that drew themselves. Uh-huh. I graduated in year 2000 yeah. and we were able to say, and by 2020, they're going to be self-driving, self-piloting cars. I'm still waiting for my jetpack, Yo, you know? Exactly. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they got those, but you got to be in the water. Like, uh, true, true. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, like, we knew that cars would be able to drive themselves, right? And why yeah. is it that the church has been so behind? So sure. I was embarrassed by that. Sure. Um, and I just feel like those are the kinds of things that began to like expose, yeah, uh, the the fact that we were behind. And I, and I'm I'm looking and I'm asking myself, these guys said, if after 18 months you came back online and reappeared, yeah, what would you do differently? Yeah. And what I told our church was we would focus on the first things. It's good. We, we would get back to the ancient way. Yeah. We, we would go back to doing things the old way. Yeah. We've been saying over and over, God is doing a new thing. Yeah. But what we mean by new is actually very old. <laughs> very old. Because at the core, right, at the core, it actually looks like the old thing. The original thing. Yeah. What happened when the spirit of God fell on man and the church was born yeah. and, and it was radically different than anything they had ever experienced. And the Bible tells us that these teenagers and outcasts and whatnot changed the entire world. But they had seminary degrees though, right? Oh man, don't get me started. <laughs> I don't get the, I don't, you know, I, 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 I can't, I can't talk that way <laughs> as much, you know, cause everybody know I got a bone to pick with that. You know, um, I'm alive. I have not been to cemetery. Okay. So I'm alive and well, but here's the thing. Um, you know, when they posed that question yeah. 12 years ago, I think that in answering it, it is meant to lead the reader, lead the, the, the church leader back to realizing we need to be reproducing disciple-making disciples. Hmm. We need to get back to the only thing we've ever been called to. Yep. I was never called to a church growth strategy, <laughs> right? Yeah. In fact, yeah. persecution hit pretty quickly afterward, uh-huh. and those guys had to decentralize real Re- quick. Real quick. But what did they do? They kept giving that same good news out. Yeah. They kept good newsing one another. They yeah. built up. And they encouraged yeah. and they, uh, you know, they were part of a movement. And so I want to see us get back to that yeah. and produce disciples and disciple makers here in Ventura. And, and not just here, but everywhere, you know, um, that we might be able to have influence and impact. We want to help people to be able to walk, yeah. work and worship together, rejoicing, even no matter the circumstances. Yeah, that's good. And that's what we're, that's what we're after. It's probably here in this moment worth maybe clarifying two things, um, lest people think we're about to go down some unhealthy directions. Like one, this is not coming from a place of like rebellion or hurt even. Like I, I think we, Steve, both of us, we've we've come across books, podcasts, speakers, articles, whatever. It, it just, it reeks of like, oh dude, just go see a therapist. Yeah. Don't start a new church. Like yeah. just go talk to a therapist. Yeah, we don't want you. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> like, or get started out of rebel. Like they, they didn't let me do my thing my way. So I'm going to go start my new thing yeah, around it is the corner. Cool. This ain't that. 
It's not that at all. This is actually out of a deep love for the church. Neither of us are walking with hurt from our local church. Right. Like our churches have actually, they've been generous. They've mm-hmm. been gracious. They've yep. been loving. They've mm-hmm. been care- And they're along for this adventure yep. too. Like we're not looking to burn something down because we, we got That's hurt. Right. That's good. Uh, it's out of deep love for the church and actually like a commitment to go back to what we believe the church was called to. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's worth clarifying is as we're, <laughs> this is my, this is, this is, we're not heretics disclaimer, right? We're, as we're changing methods and methodology and philosophy, what we're holding to is the message and the mission. That's good. Right. That's what we're holding yes. onto with closed that's hands. Good. Like throughout history, the methods of yep. the church have changed and had to change over and over and over again. Right. Like <laughs> we live in 21st century Southern California, not first century Palestine, third century right, Rome, 10th right, century right. Germany, 20th century China. Like this is the time we're placed in and the church has to look yeah, different based yeah. on when and, and where uh, your church is placed. Right. And like God ordained place. Yep, yeah. Yep. The, the message, right, is timeless. Yeah. Uh, but the method has to be timely. Yeah, absolutely. And so contextualization and, and some of that is is important. Yeah. And even as we innovate, the mission is still God's mission. Who, yep. And he has a church, right? Yep. God, God is the one with a mission and his yep. mission has a church. Yeah. So the church, so, we've been talking about with our church for a little while, like the church doesn't have a mission. Yeah. God has a mission and has a church to get at his mission. 100%. So that mission and even the message, the gospel, that doesn't change. The foundation, yeah. like what, what Paul calls, you know, built on the apostles mm. and prophets. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Like that stuff doesn't change. Yeah. But the methods yeah. can and should change. That's good. Look, for, for those of us who are in Ventura yeah. and, um, you know, we, we had our own little pandemic. The Thomas fire swept through here, burned yeah. down a thousand structures in our little bitty. 17. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our little bitty town yeah. and a thousand structures went down. And I was saying recently that, like, it's nice to walk uh, the the foothills and look up or even yeah. to drive up Clearpoint and yeah. kind of see all these new floor plans, yeah. all this rebuilding, yeah. all these renovations that have happened. Uh, but I think one thing we miss when we go up there and we see that it's like I, 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 I like Chip and Joanna Gaines. And, yeah, and it's, you know, they're, they're like they, they just kill it. Yeah, and so I, it feels like that all around town right yeah. now because you got all everyone's getting rebuilding. their dream house. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. Yep. And so I, I like looking at these new lines yeah. and, and the color schemes yeah, and the homes yeah. and things like that. But I think one of the things that we miss is that even in all that rebuilding. Yeah there's a common use of the old foundation. Ooh. Literally. Ooh. It, it doesn't matter if that foundation, the concrete had been damaged. Yeah. Even if they had to bust it up and take it all out. They same poured, footprint. Yeah. They, absolutely. Yeah. They poured new concrete into the same old hole. And that's what we're talking about. And, and so, and here's even some of the, the contrast. We, we want to be kind and gracious, but even the contrast is like some of the issues that we're seeing in the church culture, church world is especially in recent history has been building without that foundation mm. or going beyond the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't expanded the foundation to right. build. They, they just simply went over it's, or right. it's like cantilevered over and kind of at risk and, and dangerous or it's without a foundation and just sitting on dirt and My sand and, and everything like that. Yeah. And I think even right at the beginning is where, you know, trying to bring a contrast to simply to show what we're after and what we're dreaming about, what we're thinking. We want to be kind and we want to be gracious. But we also want to say like, hey, this is our this is our foundation. We're not departing from it. Um, and so it's huge. So as we look to, you know, Acts 2, as we look to Acts 5, these kind of critical yep. moments in, yep. in the church, we're, we're holding to that. We're not yep. we're not going beyond that. Um, we're just trying to get back to that. Yeah, it's healthy. Yeah. And and it's um, I think it's also scary if we're honest. Yeah. <laughs> Well, our wives are going to be a lot more honest about that than we are, right? We're yeah. going to charge ahead and we're going <laughs> to... I'm so glad to have them, uh, uh, you know, keeping it real. And and the thing is, is like, but yeah, it, it's healthy and it's good, but it's also scary because even though we can fancy it and we can imagine it, it as long as it's ethereal and it's all in our heads, uh, or even that we can go biblically and, and I mean, we haven't done it yet, but we could, right? We can open up Acts chapter two and sure. talk about, everybody's talking about that right now. Yeah. Go to Acts four, Acts five, talk about what real persecution is, what real persecution is in, and the birth of the yeah. church and the early church. The reality is that's, that's a higher level of commitment than we're used to. Yeah. And it is, um, it is a, it is a tall ask for anyone who's in a space or coming out of a space like the one we've been in where we've had a, um, we've had much more of a microwave age. Sure. You know, yeah. you just kind of can get it quickly. Yeah. Um, this is going to be crockpot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Crockpot. 
crock pot. <laughs> Slow. Yeah. Small. Yeah. Seemingly insignificant. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not impressive. Yeah. Um, man, that sounds like Jesus and the apostles. I always love reading about Paul and his ugliness. Yeah. And, you know, and or even reading Isaiah the, the servant songs and just sure. how they describe the Messiah. And then you go and you look at Jesus on the cross. It wasn't mm. this flashy yeah. Jesus that we promote to everyone. And um, I think that that is, uh, again, when we talk about the next and the new, it may very well be that that's the real church, but um, but we're not really ready for it. H- hence church drink strategy, mm. right? Yeah. Like the... If the way of our recent past has been the church growth strategy, I think the way of the resilient future church is not not by design. We're not looking to boot people out, but I think just by nature of that high bar of commitment yeah, is going to mean a smaller church. Yep. Hopefully a healthier one. Yeah. But a smaller one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard. I think there's a little bit of a grieving process because mm-hmm. if we get real... Many of us, many of our friends, many of our families don't want that church. That's right. We want the we want the church like before. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things about co- that's it, why we fight about indoor or yeah, outdoor, yeah, masks or yeah. no masks, yeah, um, and so on and so forth. That's easy church. Yeah, man. We want real church. Yeah. We want real church, and and I think one of the devastating tragedies of this last year of COVID. And as much as we're trying to be optimistic and forward thinking, I think one of the tragedies is, you know, and this is, this has been overly said to to, to the point of cliche, but COVID has not really invented anything as much as it's exposed and accelerated things. And I think one of the things, I mean, we, we see this with some of Barna's numbers of the church in the West by and large dropping by a third and millennials leaving the church by about 50%. Yeah, man. And I think what's exposed and been accelerated by COVID has been this um, weak relationship to the church and, yeah. and weak discipleship. Right. And so as we press in, uh, what what you and I are doing is basically, we're just putting the gas on that. We're, we're not going to do the slow trickle over a couple of years. Yep. We're going to force a decision moment. That's it. And people are going to be in or they're not. The tragedy is that those mm. close to us mm. are saying, no, 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 I don't actually want this. Yeah. Where's my kids' programs? Yeah. Where's Awana? Yeah. Where's youth group? Where's my service where I can drop my kid off here, my husband can serve there, and I can sit by myself and take my notes. and and like None of those things inherently are bad. They're amoral, right? I I love that. I think they can provide good things in certain contexts. But I think when those things are taken away, instead Mm -hmm. of going back to that core you're talking about and that foundation, we just pull away. Right. And and, and I think that's the the hard part for, um, for me is that, you know, a body described in... Corinthians yeah. is this inextricably tied yeah. together, just like our bodies. Yeah. I mean, we are not easily dismembered. And if we are, there's kind of a problem. <laughs> there's a you problem got a big there. problem, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It don't matter if it was your pinky toe, uh-huh. uh, like, you know, it, it, it belongs together. Yeah. And the thing about it is like, there's a certain care that we're supposed to have for our body parts hmm. and a certain um, togetherness and unity that we're supposed to have. And that has different expressions for different times and whatnot. So it shouldn't be easily cut off. Yeah. Uh, But to see people just say, you know what, I'm not about that. And so I'm out. Yeah. And not even just like, hey, I feel called to go into this other local expression. (laughs) And so would you go and give me a referral and and send us and bless us and, you know, write write a recommendation to the other. No, it's the slow ghosting. Yeah, it's, it's like, the wait, fade what happened to out so the back door? Did it's they go the, somewhere else? It's the, ah, online church isn't that, really for me. It's, oh, or I'm not ready to be in person. Yeah, yeah or, that's tough. Yeah. That's been real tough. And, and I think it's because it is much easier to complain about the methods yeah. than it is to live the mission. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. So if I feel like you're telling me, and we're not Jesus, and so excuse my uh, expression here, but sure. if I feel like you're telling me, eat my flesh yeah. and drink my blood, they said, it was 72 disciples that day. You know that? <laughs> they said, that's a hard saying. Who yeah. can hear it? And 60 people left. And the Lord turned to his 12, and he said, what about y'all? Y'all going too? And that's where we get, where, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, ha- you have the words of eternal life. Yeah. That is, that is the church shrink strategy. I don't like that ratio Come right on, there. Come on, fam. <laughs> that, I mean, Jesus literally 
is calling people to follow in his ways. And he has people who, who are with him. And when he calls them to deep commitment, the lion's share of the people say, I didn't sign up for that. You know, it's amazing. I, I don't have this in my notes in front of me, so I might get these numbers wrong. Mark Sayers, again, I was listening to a podcast he was doing recently and uh, he was, um, I was not a podcast. It was a Zoom call. I was on this Zoom call with him and maybe like 30 other pastors or something like that. And he was saying the fascinating thing is he's been watching America. He said, the fascinating thing is America's responded to post-Christianity and post-modernity very differently than other westernized countries. And so, you know, it's, you know, common knowledge that countries like Australia, England, France, Canada, some of these other western countries are maybe 10 or 20 years ahead of us and they look maybe a little bit more like New York, LA, Portland where kind of you move beyond Christianity, you move into post-modernity with uh, all the things that we've been talking about. He says the thing that's different about America is there's such a strong church culture that as America moves into post-Christendom and post-modernity, instead of one sort of remnant, kind of vibrant faith community, you're actually going to have two communities, and, and one is running towards cultural Christianity with its, and, and apologies for all the generalizations, but the, the Bible Belt, the Christian nationalism, the church is an event, all of that stuff on one end, and then you're going to have that same whatever, 5 to 8% of the population who is in these renewing, like remnant, faith-filled, vibrant communities. But the, the differences between the United States and Australia is those in the U.S. have to contend with that church culture. Whereas in Australia, there's no church culture. Like faith is irrelevant for people. And so there is this vibrant community, but they're not contending with Christian nationalism. They're not contending with cultural event-based Christianity. And, uh, where you complain about methods. Like if you're five, 6% of the population, you don't have time to mess around with complaining about methods. Yeah. Like yep. it's like, we, there's like two churches in this city. And yep. so I gotta, yep. I gotta stick it out yeah. here. Well, I'm painfully aware of that as a black man who has navigated white evangelical spaces. I've been a part of some of, I mean, I've been, I'm talking about the center, the epicenter of the white evangelical church for the better part of my Christian life. Yeah. And I love the things that I have been able to learn, the ways in which I've been able to harvest some truths in that cross-cultural ministry for me and my family. But at the same time, in the last eight years, and especially here in about the last four to five, I've become more and more aware of the ways in which there is a pearl that I've been able to take, but there is a, a big clam that needs to go back, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there, 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 there is, uh, the set, when you talk about Christian nationalism, that is a oxymoron. <laughs> it should right? be right. It's a hundred percent a heretical teaching, but yet, and still Jesus with, or a painting of someone that they would want you to believe is Jesus blonde haired and blue eyed was wearing a make America great again hat. Uh, you know, and that picture is selling out. It's like those kinds of things um, they are sad to me. And, and, you know, regardless of if it was meant to be directed toward uh, Mike Pence or someone else, to see the American flag across and a noose at Capitol Hill was devastating. And, but I'm not surprised. And so... I think the juxtaposition for me is like, I've wondered for a long time, and again, not a masochist, yeah. but I've wondered for a long time, how would persecution come to the American church? Things are so comfortable here. Yeah. Well, at this point, that five to 8% that's talking about the next and the new, yeah. and that is speaking truth to that power, it's, I mean, it's, it, we're a great minority, and I think that we we you could even confuse maybe some of the fire that we'll take on as friendly fire. I'm trying to be careful with my words. Sure, 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 sure. But what I'm saying is the overt persecution that has and is that has come and is on its way is is in some ways in the name of Christ. That's the sad thing. That's the sad thing. So anyway, I mean, here we are. We discover what's new. We, we move into uh, the, the future of the church. And 
um, with that kind of resilience, right? I'm saying like, yo, I'm signed up and, and, and let's go. By God's grace and with the filling of his spirit, we're not giving up. We're not throwing in the towel and we're looking for disciples and disciple makers who say the same. Um, and so, yeah, here we go, man. 2021. Here it is. Sorry, I just... I just it's I'm... so good. <laughs> well, I think it's an important to note, like all this stuff comes on the heels of like the last month, the last year, yep. the last four years, yep. the last eight, you know, yep. whatever. And, um, and we've got to recover and take back what is true. Word. And so in light of all this, I think we... We're sitting across the table from each other because we're not we're not throwing in the towel. We're not resigning ourselves to just like plot away quietly. Yeah. Like we want to dream and discover and rediscover what is the future of the church, which is actually old, you know, yeah. which is actually this ancient way. And so in our reading, in our, you know, looking back in church history, in our discovering what these timeless truths and philosophies and even methods are, and, and just the standing in the wake of like, how how is the rest of the global church not affected, being affected like we like are? We are. <laughs> why, why is it that the church in China they're not right? griping about not being able to meet inside? Yeah, man, 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 man. And so, and, and all of that, I think we want to dream and discover, and and that's really the birth of this this yeah. podcast yeah. thing that we're doing that's is good. is I think we want to take you guys along on that journey with us. So mm. so, what this podcast is all about is the is right now we're recording in February. I would put good money on September. Just about every church is meeting inside their building. You're eating inside a restaurant again. Your kids are back in school. Like I have, I have hope and optimism. I don't, I hope that's not misplaced. I have hope and optimism that actually like, you know, society's not going to stay in this thing. Mm -hmm. The world is going back to normal. Yeah. But we're not. So then what? So then what? That's good. That's, that's what we're doing here. That's, (laughs) that's what it took us 40 minutes to get to. It's like the world's going back to normal. We're not. So what's next? That's what it's all about. And so I I think what, I think Steve, it'd be good to maybe close out this episode And as I'm saying this, I'm looking at our, this huge whiteboard wall we have with like our schedule. It's kind of our content plan. And I'm very excited. I I think it might be helpful just riff on a little bit of what those qualities of the church future looks like. Word up. And and even as you're, maybe you're listening to this and maybe you're a part of one of our local communities. Maybe you're listening from somewhere else, wherever you are. So glad you were listening, but you're kind of saying, okay, what's next? What Mm -hmm. is, what is next? Yeah. I, I think some of our learning from last year, and I don't know about you, but it feels like the last five years of church planting has been training for this year of learning, mm. which has been preparing yeah. us for this moment. Yeah. Right. And, and all of that, what are some of those qualities of the church future? What is some of that? What's next? And, yeah. And I, th- I think we have some practical stuff we actually want to get into in the episodes to come, but I just want to actually start big picture. That's good. Like, what are some qualities of, of the church future? Yeah, I mean, I just told our, I, I told our local church a few weeks ago uh, that we were going to be making some shifts and that one of my biggest aims for yeah. 2021 was that every person would go from, uh, you know, how can I serve at church yeah. uh, to how can we serve, how, how, how can we as the church serve the community? That's good. Right? So it's this idea from I go to church yeah. to we are the yeah. church. I want us to be the church. Yep. That church is resilient. Yeah. Right? That church is going to persevere and endure yep. um, and, and is not going to kind of uh, be tossed by uh, whatever the weather that, sure. that blows up against us is uh, with circumstances. Uh, we keep saying it. I think small is the new beautiful. Yeah. Small is the new fruitful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's going to be church shrink. Yeah. Uh, decentralized. It's yeah. going to be church uh, that may or may not even be visible with yeah. neon lights yeah. and smoke and mirrors. The beautiful uh, side of that is the multiplication. That's side right. Of that, exactly. Though. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's why small is beautiful yeah. and fruitful because in the small, what you're doing is you are yeah. multiplying yeah. And, and there's movement. Yeah. Um, um, I think that we, we've said it already that the message is timeless, yeah. but the methods yeah. are timely. So when you think about missional innovation and yeah. contextualization, I think we will all take seriously the call to be disciple makers which is a call to be a missionary which means that you're going to hold some truths central but you're going to allow your 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 place and and, um your your ministry kind of or your mission field to dictate how you're going to get that message out 
Um, our, uh, go ahead. Our, our church has heard this for me a thousand and a half times, mm. but th- this kind of call and, and this, even what you were talking about earlier, this high bar of commitment requires a move. Like qual- as you think about qualities of the church future requires a move from being a passive consumer yeah. of church. Mm. So even I serve at church is, is somehow like this weird consumer thing because yeah. it's like a, a thing you pay your dues so you can get your goods and services wow. over here. And moving from I'm a passive consumer to I'm a committed participant. That's good. So once again, oh, ding, ding, ding. Third time, Mark Sayers talks about in his, in his book, um, oh, shoot. I think it's The Road Trip That Changed the World. Talks about the passive aggressive consumer trap. Mm. And basically how in, in the West, we are conditioned and formed to have our primary posture towards institutions be critique. Oh my. And comment. And sitting on the sidelines. And I think of that passage in... First Corinthians four, where Paul tells the church to get off the sidelines, get into them. He says, I'm in here getting beat up for the gospel. Get in here with me, get in the game. And I think that's the call to the church at large. And is most certainly the calls we put in front of our church. Yo, get off the sidelines. In in honor of my, my man's, my my man's Vody Bauckham. (laughs) In honor of Vody, he used to say all the time, if you can't say amen, you can say ouch. <laughs> and yo, that that one cut me. Yeah. Yeah, that one that that one hurt me for sure. So I think another thing is um when we talk about qualities of the, the church future or the future church, it's uh shared leadership. Yeah. Um the CEO, um Kingpin yeah. kind of lead yeah. or senior sure. pastor. Man, that's a model that we've uh, absorbed that I'm still trying to figure out how do we make the, the conscious shifts away from it yeah. in a healthy way for, for, for our local church. Um, I've, I've taken big steps mm-hmm. in that direction, even in our, you know, the, the changes that we've made just in the small sure. window of t- uh, time sure. that we've had, but I, I still have quite a ways to go yeah. and I want to make some overt changes, um, or some more express changes that, um, I think is 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 just necessary. It's the way yeah. it's always been. And, and I don't want to feel like everything we say we have to qualify to appease anybody, but like we're big biblical eldership guys. We're sure. big like God, Jesus has given gifts to the church and part of those gifts are leader, godly yeah. biblical leadership. Yeah. And so even in that, but that's not the CEO model that we've right. adopted because we have to be 501c3s with the board of trust or whatever. Wow. Different thing that we're talking mm. about here. Yeah, shared leadership and invitational shared leadership is... Mm. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Yeah. And this comes to being a committed participant. This way of quote unquote doing church will require something of you. If you're mm-hmm. listening along and want in on this journey, this is not something you're just going to absorb via osmosis mm-hmm. on this podcast or or get from a sermon. Like this is going to require something from you maybe in a way like never before. Now here's here's exposing some of the demos of our church. My church is pretty young. So we're somewhere between 25 and 35, predominantly white, predominantly, not all the way, but predominantly fairly privileged. Like mm-hmm. no one's thinking about where they're getting their next meal. Yeah. They've all had, all have decent jobs, that sort of thing. For many of the people in our church and the people I know, this has objectively been the hardest year of their life. Mm. I just got somebody asked me to be patient and it was the, it was the sweetest thing. Yeah. Um, love, love my brother dearly. He's in our church. And he just said, I just want you to know that the, the, the things that you have lived, yeah. grief, hardship, like violence, um, and it just, the kinds of suffering that you've experienced for me and my family has yeah. never even touched us. Hmm. And he just said, I just, I would just ask that you would be patient with That's us. Good. And I'm like, First, First Thessalonians five yeah. eighteen. He's absolutely right. Be patient yeah. with them all. Yes, thank you. That's a good level yeah. set, right? And so I, I get it. I get it. And and um, and and you know, if I can be just transparent, yeah. it's it's it literally. I needed that because yeah. of, because I'm more impatient and like, why don't y'all get it? Like, come on, sure. it's on the pages. Like, yeah. die to yourself. Take up your cross. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, what is all this comfort loving? Yeah. Da, da, da. And it's like, man, you the same, Steve. Yeah. And, and, and God has been patient with you. And then if you do have something to contribute today, yeah, it is the fact that 
your tests mm-hmm. have become the only testimony you have, yeah. right? The mess you've been through is your message. Y'all, yeah. we're coming towards the end, right? We yeah. got to get that. Yeah. We got to get those Baptist <laughs> alliterations in here. <laughs> but, but yeah, in all honesty, yeah. like the, 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 it humbled me to remember that, yeah, if God is pouring me out like a drink offering yeah. here as an under shepherd in Ventura yeah. reaching people, then I absolutely have to be patient. Yeah. Just because I think I know something or I've experienced something, yeah. I cannot be uh, so proud yeah. uh, to be impatient with my brothers and sisters. So, And it's yeah, great, grace you. and truth hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. It's like because we're patient, we're not not calling people to give of themselves. Yeah, that's right. It's not easy church. It's real church. But that's it's right. uh, but it's also we're walking with real people, through real things. And so our, our journey that you guys are going to hear over the next 10 or so episodes is going to be the real and raw journey through that. Good. It's going to be the real and raw journey through us needing to be patient with people who are trying to play catch up of, of us who are talking with people who are 10 steps ahead of us and are frustrated. We're not there yet. It's going to be all of that and all of the in-between. And that's ultimately what we want to invite you on as, as the listener to this podcast. We want to invite you in this journey with us, whether you are in our local community or not, whether you're listening in from somewhere in California or yeah. somewhere else around yeah. the world, like you're invited into this. And, that's right. and once again, this is like, Bert's greatest hits here. If anyone is a part of Anthem, they're going to recognize these couple of verses here. But one of my favorite moments in the story of the early church is Acts chapter 20. So Acts chapter 20. So the book of Luke and Acts are both written by Luke. He's Mm -hmm. commissioned by Theophilus to go as an investigative journalist report on what the heck is happening yeah. with this like yeah. movement of people and this Jesus person. Yeah. And up up until this, he's been talking to witnesses. He's been hearing stories, talking to government officials, family, talking to these people in these new churches that are popping up all over the place. And in Acts chapter 20, it's kind of closing off this section where Paul is hanging out with the Ephesian elders. He's been teaching with them. He's been loving them. They're weeping. They're crying. He's kind of giving these pardoning words that yeah. Jesus' blood bought and paid for the church and, right. and all of this. And in Acts chapter 20, at the very end, when Paul said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, kind of this final sending, commissioning prayer moment. There was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, and that they would not see his face again. He was going out on his missionary journey. Mm -hmm. They're not going to see him again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now, here's the beautiful part. Acts chapter 21 starts, and when... We had parted from them and set sail. Hold on. English nerds know what happened right there. Luke and Acts chapter 1 through 20, written in third person. They, them. He. This is what's happening. He, she. This is what's going on. Acts chapter 21, verse 1. And when we parted from them and set sail. Which means this is the crux of the story when Mm. Luke figuratively and literally gets on the boat with Paul. Wow. And his reporting goes from third-hand witnesses to first-hand accounts. Wow. And the language goes from they and them to we and us. So one of my favorite moments in the early church, because it is this profound decision moment, Luke could have stayed off the boat and kept right. third-hand reporting, wow. but his story caught up with Paul's and God's. They got on the boat together. And the rest of Acts is, is reported from Luke firsthand yep. like this. Yep. It's a crucial change. There's always a temptation to be an observer in the church, to sit back and to allow others to carry the weight. Wow. But we know that's not the picture the Bible gives us. that's right. It's not the picture of the body of Christ from 1 Corinthians. It's not the picture of Paul talking to the Corinthian church to get off the sidelines. Like a few doing the heavy lifting and everyone else watching this 20%, 80% rule or 20% or doing all the work for the 80%. We're checking that out the window. Yo, you realize that don't even work in the arenas anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the Super Bowl. I'm like, those are not even real people. I know. You know, it's all those cardboard cutouts. But I remember being at Imago Day down in Downey, right? Yeah. We share that family yeah. uh, of church, uh, you know, kind of connection. And being there, uh, they had asked me to come and to bring a message on Ephesians 4. Yeah. And uh, I just remember thinking through this analogy of what a football game or a soccer game usually looks like. You have a select few people on the field who are tired and overworked. And then you've got these crowds and crowds and crowds of people who are complaining about what should have been done. All he had (laughs) yelling at the refs. Why did you go watching the playback? Uh huh. Exactly. (laughs) They're 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 overweight. Uh, (laughs) And 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 they're very uh they they know it all kind of up in the head, but they never they, they need to get on the feel yeah and so anyway that breaks down but you know what i'm saying yeah so yeah, yeah yeah that's that's really what it is we are not called not anywhere in scripture to be observers we're supposed to be participants 
So what you're hearing from Steve and I is we're committed to that journey. We're, we're first committed to that journey and we're committed to living that out. And we're committed to bringing you along with all of its like highs and lows and all of its beauties and all of its warts. And the stories you're going to hear uh, over the next 10 episodes are going to be cool ones, inspiring ones, and also maybe hard ones. There's yeah. as much as there's discovery and innovation, innovation, there's heartbreak and there's tragedy because yeah. we're dealing with people. That's right. And uh, we want to invite you along in that journey. And wherever you are at, wherever you're listening, we want to invite you not only in the journey of just listening along, but in the journey of rediscovering and reimagining what the church could be. Like, what if we recaptured that which made the church so potent in those first hundred years and not tried to carbon copy? Because we don't live in first century Palestine or Middle East. We live in 21st century, you and I, Southern California. Right. So what does it look like to take that same potency, mm. throw it through our cultural translation lenses and deposit that here in the city that we're in. And I just want to invite you wherever you're listening at on that same journey with us as well. Um, Wherever you're at, you were dead. Jesus brought you to life Mm. and he empowers you to participate and be on the mission he's crafted for you and for us together. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode of How to Kill a Church. Uh, please do follow us on this journey of discovery, lessons learned, mistakes made, and maybe, just maybe, an ancient and innovative way forward for the church of the future. If you're listening to this podcast and have not yet subscribed, subscribe uh, an Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you do get podcasts. And while you're there, rate us, review us. Crazy helpful and important to us as we're getting this podcast off the ground for you to share it along in that way. But also you can share it along by just sending a, a link to this podcast to friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, strangers. <laughs> share it on social media. Help us get the word out. That's the best way you can support uh, this podcast and this journey that we are on together. So thanks so much for listening along. We'll see you next time.